In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome into the Retirement Pathfinder. I'm Ben George. They are Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. They are ret- retirement income planning specialists. Also have a couple books that you might have checked out. And they have a lot of great stuff on their website at pathfinderadvisory.com. Barbara and Phil, welcome in. How are you? Oh, we're doing great, Ben. We're doing great. How are you How are you doing there, Ben? I'm doing well as well, and I'm looking forward to... Under our podcast this week, we are going into the mailbag once again. I know we've had some some listeners reach out to, the, to you guys directly for a lot of stuff, but we've got some questions we're going to get into today, which I always love because we kind of bounce around a lot on a lot of different topics and get some you know can kind of get cover a lot of different uh, bases along the way. So looking forward to that. But I know we have to talk about the farm. I think it's been a, I know it's been at least one episode, maybe a couple since we've got an update. Oh yeah, out at the farm, right. Phil. What's going on? Well, let's talk about what's going on in the farm. You know, and it's it's deer camp out at the Gusky Farm right now. Okay. And what is deer camp? It's when all the guys get together, right? And uh, hopefully they behave themselves because they <laughs> shoot a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of game out there. So let me give you a little update on what's going on at deer camp here the last few weeks. So we're right in the middle of, of deer season, as a lot of our outdoors uh, listeners probably know. And it seems like this year we've seen quite a few deer, a lot of a lot of does. Uh, this season. And, um, you know, I've, uh, I've passed by, uh, the opportunity to, to, you know, to take some pretty big bucks out of the, out of the farm here last couple of years, Ben, because you know what, I was waiting for Mr. Big to come oh, along <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, and what it really resulted in here a couple of years ago was, was no meat on the table. So <laughs> I, you can't be too greedy, right? Well, you know, the last uh, few seasons, I spotted a really nice 10 point buck. I mean, this guy was broad shouldered. He was an old dude and uh, he'd, he'd make a fine trophy up on my fireplace. Well, <laughs> if, if my wife would allow it, I'm, I'd have to talk to her about it first. But anyhow, you know, I, I could never get close enough, Ben, to this uh, to this buck to uh, to nail him. And so hmm. a couple of weeks ago, you know, uh, we were in the middle of, a, of the rut season, which is a very best time to go out hunting because, you know, all the they're chasing each other at that point. And, um, you know, I was ready to get out there and, and look for that buck and by golly, we had an opportunity to babysit grandchildren. Wow. Hey, you know, we don't pass up that opportunity. <laughs> no, right. That's, sure. always, that's a precious time, you know? So found out that evening that I was going to, we were going to, uh, babysit our grandkids. So I called my nephew who I hadn't talked to for quite a while and he wanted to get a chance to get out there and, and, uh, do some, uh, do some bow hunting and, Call him up and I said, uh, hey, would you like to come out and you know sit in my spot tonight? And he said, Oh man, fantastic, Phil. I wish I wish I could. I, I wanted to for quite a while. And I said, Okay. So, you know, I get a call about five o'clock. He's out there. He gives me a call. And uh, and Ben, guess what he tells me? Uh-oh. What? He nailed Mr. Big. Oh wow. He got him. He got oh, the big my one. Yes, he sent me a picture of it. And I said, that's my deer. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, I was happy for him, of course. But, you know, I would have loved to have those antlers of, oh, in my game room. Oh, that's funny. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, what a disappointment in one way. But I was happy for he and 
his wife, and I mean, they just, oh, man, oh, they were in hog heaven. You know. I bet you they were tickled pink. Oh, they were. They he, really was, were. he was the hero. Yep. So much for the, <laughs> for, uh, you know, basically the farm story today and what's That's going a good on with, one. with deer camp. Will you get a little, <laughs> little bit of the meat, though, at least? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. They promised us some of the okay. some of the better quarters, you know, for the thing. So yeah. that's okay. I I'm happy for him. I really am. You know, yeah. I, you know, it's well, <laughs> well, that's the way it goes. Well, if that was your nephew, he'd probably lose tickle pink. That's probably the biggest one he's ever caught. Well, I, I think I think he felt kind of bad. You know, when yeah. he that was the one. <laughs> it's that, on your property, and you've yeah, been, man, you've been looking scoped, at him. <laughs> I scoped that dude out for the last three years. I knew mm. he was, was going to be mine eventually, but. Oh man, when to be? Yeah. Well, there'll be another opportunity, I'm sure, out there for you, oh, Phil. Yeah. At some point, yeah, always so. is. <laughs> well, that's yeah. great stuff. I always love hearing the updates from the farm, and uh, good luck to mm-hmm. you on. Uh, hopefully, you'll 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 get your big one here before too long. I hope Phil. so. Yep, I think so. All right. Well, let's get into our mailbag today. We're gonna do that as always. We every few episodes we try to get in and find out what's on your mind. So if you have any questions, anything you want to learn more about, curious about, uh, are unsure about, please send it in to us and we'll happy be happy to feature it on the podcast here. So let's begin with a question that came in from Vicky. She says, I don't think my kids are expecting an inheritance from me because I was a single mom for most of their lives, but I really want to be sure that I'm not a financial burden for them at any point. Should I work until I'm 70 so that I can take the highest possible social security benefit? All right. Well, you know, Vicki, that's a very good question. And I can understand you not wanting to be a financial burden on your kids. We just had a podcast on taking social security and how it's not just Mm. a social security question. And I'd encourage you to listen to that podcast. You can find them on our site at pathfinderwealth.com and just click on podcast on the top right. But um, there are many considerations when it comes to taking social security. Waiting until 70 is one option, but maybe you could retire before age 70 and just wait to collect. Um, what are your other sources of income do you have that you have when you retire? What is your age? Other considerations are your expenses. What do your annual expenses look like? Then what we do is we look at taxes and inflation, growth, your health and life expectancy. And those are just some of the numbers we look at. And then what we're able to do is project when you can retire and how much money you can withdraw from retirement accounts. And also, when is the best time to take Social Security? We'll also let you know how, how long your money will last. So it's, it's a good time to look at this um, you know, right now for you, because let's say that you're close to retirement. Wouldn't it be nice to know that you could possibly retire now? Or if not, when? So let's say that you could retire in five years if you put X amount of money towards your retirement. Then it'd be nice to know that you didn't have to work until age 70. So as you can see, there's many questions lead to more questions. And then we don't know your age, Vicki. So we're kind of shooting in the dark a little bit here. But why don't you reach out to us at pathfinderchat.com for a 15-minute phone call, pathfinderchat.com. Yeah, I think we need to probably get a little bit more detail from Vicki as far as what her other resources are. are. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so once we do, it makes more sense to maybe come up with some type of a tentative plan. And so it's important for her to contact us. Sure. Yeah, and I, and I, I was thinking back to the, a lot of the mailbags we've gotten. We seem to always get some qu- a lot of questions about Social Security. So it's just a good reminder that you know you're not alone when you're curious about it or trying to come up with a plan for it. And it's also a good reminder that you want to have a plan for it and a strategy for Social Security. So thank you for that question, Vicky. All right, here's one from Elizabeth. She says, "I have a pension fund from a previous job in a different state that's just sitting there for years. I have the option to take a lump sum and invest that money myself." Should I do that or should I just leave it there where it is and get a monthly pension when I retire? Yes, I will be very honest with Elizabeth. This 
question that she asks is a tough question for even the most experienced financial advisors out there. And I'll tell you why, because it, there's no really one cut and dried answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, here are the two options that we're looking at. Okay. Option number one, keep the money at the company and select a guaranteed payout over a lifetime. And essentially, Elizabeth would uh, never have to outlive her money. Uh, the retirement funds would be there. You know, if she sets it up properly, uh, you know, her spouse will have a benefit if she's married. And so there could be some beneficial payment to to him uh, during his lifetime as well. Or option number two is to do a rollover. And uh, that's the other option. Most pension plans will allow you to take that money. It's called a commuted value. Commuted value, that's the technical term for it, where they could take the money out, roll it into a self-directed IRA account, invest it, you know, and uh, live off the proceeds. Now, here's what we have to take a look at, though. We have to evaluate the advantages and disadvantages of, of those two options. So if we look at option number one, which is the pension option, there's some positives. Um, one of the positives are getting the, like I said, the lifetime income. It's, as they say, an income they can never outlive, right? Another is that, uh, you know, the investment responsibility is no longer yours. You don't have to worry about going out there and picking stocks and bonds and knowing when to put in, when to get out. Uh, you know, the money is is being handled by a professional, uh, at the pension plan, hopefully. <laughs> Another is that, you know, the income is static, which means it doesn't change. So you can easily factor that into your budget. You know, now what are the downsides sides of uh, having a pension? Well, you know, as time goes on, we, you know, last uh, podcast we did, we talked about inflation, right, Barb? Yep. And so if inflation, you know, kicks in, which it will do, you know, you could, uh, be stuck with having less and less as the years go by in purchasing power. So if you have $50,000 of income from a pension now and inflation is 3% in 10 years, you know, that money will only buy about $37,000 worth of goods and services in 20 years, 27,000. So I guess in that situation, you need to die early, right? So you don't, don't have less and less. <laughs> However, you know, there is no cost of living adjustment there. Another drawback is if the person runs out of money, okay. Uh, because the pension plan fails, what do they do? And, you know, does it happen? Yes. You know, they have something called the pension guaranteed fund by Mm -hmm. the federal government, but it doesn't cover it dollar for dollar. Just talk to a retiree from United Airlines. They'll tell you about that. Right. Right. Or even a local one that's happened here. Yeah. We have, we've had a couple of pension plans go broke. Some were um, basically, they were criminalized. You know, they took money out that way. It disappeared. The last and big drawback is not having access to the principal if an emergency comes up. And so you can't access that pension plan at a later time. And, and quite frankly, there's no beneficial amount left for your heirs. So that's a problem too, right? So how about the pros and cons of option number two, which is the rollover? Well, if you do that, you know you have a world of investments out there that you can access. You have control over your own funds. You can invest more for growth, or you can look more toward income. You can hire professionals to help make you uh, uh, to uh, guide you along as far as uh, planning for both a safe amount of investments and also an expected amount uh, for the future and and do it in a tax efficient manner. You can also leave an inheritance so it doesn't stop when you do, so to speak. Okay, what is the downside of a rollover? Well, you know you could be taking too much money out of the fund if you're not aware of of how you're depleting your fund, going to the well too often, as we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also be making some wrong investment decisions. So, you know, it must be carefully managed. And so the bottom line is that we advise Elizabeth to sit down with us or another 
qualified professional and, and, you know, kind of cover the pros and cons carefully weighing these options before making that really also often missed opportunity uh, and the right decision. Um, you know, once you make it, you can't go back on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah you, you know, you're right, Phil, you, you have to crunch the numbers to decide. So Elizabeth, we, if we have a crystal ball and we knew that you were living <laughs> yeah. a short life expectancy, we'd say, take yeah. the lump sum. Yep. You know, if you and your spouse, if you have one are healthy, well, then you could live a long life and the other, uh, the pension may be a consideration. But, you know, you mentioned too, Phil, that if you choose you know, either a single life or even a joint life for your spouse, something happens to you and goes to your spouse. Well, there aren't anything in any of these pensions that are going to pay out. Let's say something happens to both husband and wife yes. at the same time. Yes. I've seen one pension where there is a payout beyond the husband and wife because the rest, you've already made your choice. You know, you the joint payout, mm-hmm. single payout, something happens to you, it's done. And so you've given up all that money that, that's been saved for you. Um, so you have very, a lot of very uh, important consideration because not one size fits well, all. Well, yeah. In fact, there's probably about six or seven different, you know, what they call annuitization options where you can go ahead and yep. choose different uh, combinations, uh, you know split life, you can have a life plus so many years and so forth. It it is a very confusing area. You have to really understand what you're doing there. Right. Yeah, no question. Um, Thank you for that, Elizabeth. We appreciate it. Got a couple more for us here on the podcast. First one comes from Warren. Uh, For years, I've had half my money with one broker and then half with someone else. They're both nice guys, and I thought it would be good to get advice from two different people. But now it just seems confusing. Am I better off to have it all in one place? Well, Orrin, if they're nice guys, I mean, come on, you know, <laughs> nice guys are nice guys. Are nice guys. Yeah. But, uh, the question I have for you, Orrin, is, is why do you have two brokers? You're right in that you're getting advice from two people, but they likely would conflict. So what is your investment philosophy and what is your broker's? So you could have overlapping, meaning you're, you know, you think you're diversifying and you're not because you're both owning the same thing or some of the same thing. Diversification is about having the right amount of asset classes, not a lot of stuff. Are they are they active ad, uh, advisors? Are they passive? And and what is your philosophy as an investor? So if you get advice from one and it conflicts with the other, then who do you listen to? And the the what is the end goal with your investing? That's the most important question. You know why are you investing? What is it for? For is it for the future? For your retirement? What is what is that end goal of the of the money? Or do you have two brokers because you want to see which one does better? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we get people in the office mm-hmm. that, that uh, will share that with us, Phil. Yep. Well, my advice is choose a holistic planner who's a fiduciary. They're supposed to act in your best interest, not the companies that they represent. And I don't know your age, but if you're close to retirement, then there are many other considerations and concerns when preparing. So I'm going to answer in, in a couple of ways. If you're young, let's say maybe 30s or 40s, are you looking for a financial plan on how to allocate your money, such as you know how much money to put aside for college for kids, for life insurance, for guardianship? How much do you how much to save for retirement? Those are some of the the questions. If you're younger now, I'm going to assume that you're closer to retirement and the need, that you need to decide who to work with. And in that case, there are a totally different set of questions. So, when do you plan to retire, and can you retire? Your age and your spouse's age, if you're married. How much money have you saved for retirement? Do you have social security benefits, a pension? What are your expenses? Estate planning, how to handle your affairs, protection of your estate in the event of nursing home exposure. So if you're within five years of retirement, seek out an advisor and choose one that's going to help you in all areas of retirement, including tax planning. So to sum up, 
I would say choose one advisor, one whose opinion that you respect and believe is going to give you sound advice. It's not just about return. It's about risk and providing income, especially if you're closer to retirement. So I would say reach out to us at pathfinderchat.com for a 15-minute phone call. It would be worth it, especially if you're nearing retirement. You know, Barbara, I, I think you and I probably know a couple hundred different advisors, you know, at different companies we've been with. Mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. they're all really nice guys and gals, aren't they? <laughs> they really are. I mean, you know, I think yeah. there's something that that draws nice people to this business. And, you know, they 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 want to serve their clients' interests and so forth and so on. But I'll tell you what, you know, you know, if if you're riding on a ship someplace going somewhere, you don't want to have two captains there you navigating go. the, the That's vessel, a good way you know? of putting it. Uh, and so, it, you know, you're going to have conflicts going on there. And so, you know, the more uh, fingers you got in the pie, as far as getting advice from people, the more confusing it becomes, the less likely you're going to make a good, a good choice, right? Yeah. And it's just, a, I think people have a tendency, especially if you do have more than one advisor to look at, uh, to look at, to, you compare, you always want to compare returns. Well, how do you do that? There's, you know, there's so much more to that in retirement. Absolutely. It's, there is. In fact, you know, you could be uh, a penny wise and a pound foolish because, you know, maybe you're looking at returns for one year. Right. You know, and, and, but, but the income plan is completely messed up. Yeah. Or, or none at all. Oftentimes you yes. know, people come into our office and they do not have a plan and they're working with, uh, they are working with an advisor. So I would say reach out to us and we'd be happy to talk with you and it would be worth 15 minutes of your time. Yeah. It's always great to sit down and actually go through things in, in detail. You're, you're going to get your best answer, your most thorough answer that way. But we do appreciate you sending a question in, Orrin. All right. One more for the podcast today is from Mary. She says, we've never lived on a budget our entire lives. And my husband is very resistant <laughs> to having a budget once we retire. But without a budget, how do we make sure we don't run out of money 10 years before we die? I would love to sit down with this with this couple, Mary and her husband, and figure out, learn how they were able to manage their their resources and spending without some kind of a spending plan or a budget. Man, right. they must have really <laughs> done well, you know, not to have to worry about that. I know it's possible if you have enough uh, or an overabundance of resources to probably not keep an eye on it. However, Mary is, you know, she's registering some real concerns here that, you know, the high revenue that they once enjoyed may be going away here shortly. And so, you know, that was what they got during the working years. It may not be there, you know, may be substantially reduced. So just, uh, just a warning to Mary and her husband and any other listener that we have at this point, it is very possible for you to run out of money before you run out of time. Mm -hmm. It's very possible to do. I mean, it's, you know, mm -hmm. believe me, we see it happen a lot, not with our clients necessarily, but with other people, you know, in one way, this is a difficult problem to have because if the couple is resistant, as I hear Mary say here, if, if that couple is resistant to controlling cash flow, which is essential to any family or business, right? You've got to control cash flow. It will be impossible to assure them that they will not run out of money. Well, they have to get on the same page, too. Oh, they do. <laughs> they do. Uh, on the other hand, this might be an easy problem to solve if the couple will allow the numbers to speak for themselves. Now, let me <laughs> let me tell you what I mean. In other words, we start with uh, we start up our computer, uh, what I call our bozo pewter, right? Put their income in, select a portfolio that will produce uh, an expected return, add to it uh, other factors such as taxes and inflation, and voila. The computer will spit out that number. They'll, the computer will tell us how much they can spend uh, on either a perpetual basis or over 30 years or 20 years or 10 years. 
And so we don't, uh, you know, we don't give them our opinion as far as how long that money will last. We let the numbers speak for themselves, right, Barb? Yeah, that's true. So, you know, I would say um, Mary's concerned, and oftentimes uh, it seems like the wives are more concerned when they come in here about income and, you know, their their uh, success in retirement. But I'd say she's totally on the right track as far as, you know, having some kind of a plan. Yes. And, um, you know, the worst case scenario is you'll be going to the well more often than you realize, which is a, a recipe for disaster. But I would say a budget in retirement is more important than a budget during your working years. You know, at least, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're working, you have the paychecks to make up for the shortfalls in retirement, unless you continue to work or work part time, then you don't. So that what we found when we're working with our clients, we have an income plan. But if they're withdrawing above that amount too often, we have to show them how much that alters the success of the plan. We've got to raise the flag at that point. And we've done that in times past. In fact, I had several clients who recently tell us, Phil, I am so happy that you told us last year, remember when when we had the COVID crisis hit, you know, and the, and the portfolio started going down. We are so happy that you told us to re- restrict that money. You know, they, some of them could, they could go ahead and, yep. and restrict the amount of money they took out, you know, less than the amount of money, even stop it if they could afford to do that. And they did. They were very, very pleased with the outcome of that particular advice. Yeah. And that's a good point too. When markets are down, talking to your clients mm-hmm. about taking less income uh, because you've got the market downturn, but then you've also got, you know, your withdrawals. So Mary, what I would say is call it something different for your husband. Call it a spending plan. He yes. might like that. Don't call it a budget. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great question though. And I know that's a very important one uh, to make everybody feel comfortable in retirement. So thank you for that. And, and appreciate all the questions as always that we get. Um, always some very good ones, some very intelligent listeners, and we appreciate everything we, we get from you. So if you have anything on your mind, uh, please call Barbara and Phil, especially if you want to get deeper into these questions and get really thorough answers and get something that's tailored to you. You can do so at 815-399-9806. All right, closing it out. I think we have one more episode before the year is out, Barbara and Phil, and uh, we'll try to finish on a high note. Yeah. Yeah, we will. Yep. So we'll look forward to our listeners at that time and and keep the questions and comments coming. We appreciate them. Well, thank you all for listening to the Retirement Pathfinder. Please subscribe to the podcast and we'll have another episode coming your way in a couple of weeks. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.